0: I invite you to stand as we uh, observe the Lord's Word. Back to the basics is the title of the message today. Acts chapter 2, verse 41 through 42 is our main verse. Then those who gladly received His Word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers." May God bless the reading of his word as my prayer. You may be seated. I love simple things in life. I love that my old truck, uh, I can go out there right now and I can change a headlight, and some of you can't do that. Right, Brother Bill? Some of you have to take your hood off, your fender off, your dash off, and everything in between just to change the headlight. But my old truck, I can just get a screwdriver and I can pop it out and I can put a new headlight in. I love things that are simple. Things that are easy. We live in a complicated world. We live in a world that is full of complex things. We live in a world that gets more complicated as time goes by. And it makes me appreciate the simple things. I love to sit in the backyard and watch my kids play. The simpleness of that. I love to share a meal with friends and family. I love to have a cup of coffee in the Word. And just spend time with God. Nothing too complicated, just simple. I love to do things like that and I look forward to it. I don't look forward to working on complicated things. I don't look forward to doing complex problems. I know our high school students, they were talking about math in the youth room Wednesday. And they were talking about something about I and pi. And I'm thinking, what does that even mean? That's complicated. I like simple. One plus one equals two. Anybody else? Yes. I know my high schoolers are testifying right now. I, I like that. Wouldn't it be easier if our lives were not as complex as they are now? We're running here. We're going there, doing this and doing that. Especially those of us who have young kids. We're always on the run. And our lives are complicated. But what about the church? Too many times we tend to complicate the things that we're reminded in Scripture that we need to get back to the basics of. We tend to complicate church. We tend to, tend to just add layer on top of layer on top of the layer. When the Scripture defines what the basics are and what we're to do with them. The church we're going to look at today was living life in a simple type of way. Now, the word simple uh, used to mean something negative. Uh, If you said in the uh, the old times, you old timers would testify this, that that person was simple, that was a a negatory term. Uh, And it's not really carried that way anymore. Uh, But I like simple things. And I like simple church. I like coming here and opening up God's word simply. I like fellowshipping, simply. And we don't have to make it complicated, because God's Word tells us that it's easy. And we see this here in Acts chapter 2. It says, Then those who gladly received His Word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayers." And so this was the response to the invitation that Peter gave on the day of Pentecost. When he and the other disciples stood up and boldly proclaimed the word of God to those that were in Jerusalem at that time. Peter says, uh, and this is what he preached in uh, in verse 22 uh, of chapter 2. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles... Wonders and signs which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know, him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God. You have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put to death, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death because it was not possible that he should be held by it. Peter preached a powerful sermon to these Jewish people here on the day of Pentecost. A moment when Peter points the finger at those who were listening. And he's telling them they had in fact crucified the Messiah. It was by their hands that he was crucified. That the Messiah, Jesus Christ, was sent from God. And through his death, death has been defeated and is no longer So Peter summarizes his sermon in verse 36. He says, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made, and I love how Peter says this, this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. And Acts chapter 2 verse 37 says, Now when they heard this, pay attention, they were cut to the heart, And said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? The word of God had convicted them of their sin. And they knew that they they had to do something. They knew that they had to move. They knew that they had to uh, respond to the word that Peter had preached them in this moment. What shall we do? The word should bring about action in our lives. Every one of us, when we hear the word of God, we should have the desire to respond to God's word. We should have the desire to come to know God as our savior. We should have the desire to continue steadfastly in the teaching of God's word. We should continue in the fellowship with God's people. Peter says, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ For the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children. And to all who are far off. As many as the Lord our God will call. Repent. A change of mind uh, about who Jesus was. A change of attitude about their sin in their lives. Repent. Completely turn away and go away from and turn towards God. The message is still the same. Completely turning away from their disobedience and turning towards a welcoming father, turning towards God. And then Peter says, and be baptized. Peter wasn't saying that baptism was going to save them because they have turned towards Jesus. That's not what Peter was saying. He's saying, accept Jesus and then be baptized. They will identify themselves with the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus through baptism. As we saw earlier in this uh, baptism of Maddox, baptism is a a picture of their inward uh, renewing that has taken place. We are not baptized to be saved, but we are baptized because we are saved. And I would like to take a minute just to address Maddox. He's somewhere up there. He's back there. You awake, Maddox? Maddox, I want you to look around at all these people. If you need something, come to somebody in this room. Church, I want you to look at that little boy that was up there a while ago. And as he grows, let's disciple him. Because he's not where he needs to be yet. He's made right with God through salvation. And he's identified himself... As a follower of Christ, but we are to come alongside Him and help Him in His walk with the Lord. It's our job, it's our duty. Just a little side note that's for free. You don't even have to charge me for that one. We then see here the immediate actions of the believers who had now given their lives to Christ. We must keep in mind. That it it hadn't been long ago that Jesus was crucified on the cross. These were some of the same people who were standing there shouting crucify him, crucify him. And Peter is here sharing the gospel with them. And he's saying the man in whom you crucified. Jesus Christ the Messiah. He's telling them to believe in him, to repent and turn towards him. And so in this time... There was still hostility in the air to be a follower of Jesus. There were not that many of them at this time in the world. And they were all there in Jerusalem. And Jesus had not been crucified just too long ago. And so to, to say that you were a follower of Jesus at this time was nothing. It was taken lightly. It was something that could have got you killed. You can keep on reading in the book of Acts and you can see what Paul or Saul was doing to the Christian believers and thank God, Saul became Paul and gave his life to the Lord. But this was a time where if you professed Christ, you could have been stoned. You could have been killed. You could have been in prison. Your family could have been in prison. It was nothing lightly. And so here we have these believers who were taking action on their faith. The word of God responds or it should make us want to move. The word of God should make us want to have action in our lives and we as a church should want to move. We as a church should want to have this forever going movement that we're working towards heaven and not works. We're going towards heaven because we know that this place is not our home. And the believers here They took it serious. They took it serious what they were doing. So we first see that they were professing believers. In verse 40 it says, And with many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And so Peter, Peter excuse me, Peter was preaching the gospel. Peter was preaching the gospel and he was inviting them to come to Christ. This gives us the picture here. It literally gives us the picture of the disciples and Peter pulling these people alongside them and and inviting them, encouraging them to come to know Christ as their savior. These people, they knew the scriptures. They knew the Old Testament. They knew the law. They knew about the coming Messiah And here they are, inviting them, encouraging them to walk with the Lord, to give their lives to the Lord. No doubt there were most likely some who did not receive their words, but there were those that did. And that day alone, 3,000 souls were added to the church. These were regular people who had heard the gospel message, they trusted in Jesus as their Savior. They were baptized. They identified themselves with Christ. And thus being united together. The message is still the same. The church is not for the unbeliever. But for the believer. If you're an unbeliever here. Or maybe you're listening. Or watching. We're glad that you're here. And we welcome you. You are welcome in this place. And we invite you to come to know Christ as your Savior. It's an invitation. And this is what we see Peter and the disciples doing. They were inviting others to come to know Christ as their Savior. The second thing we see is that they were present. We see this in verse 42. It says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine." After they were added to the church, their willingness to be discipled did not stop there. Too many times it stops right there. We get them saved when they're baptized, and then it stops right there. But their willingness did not stop right there. It says they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Their name was not only on the roll if they had one, but they were present and active. Their lives were committed to the word of God. And so what were the apostles teaching? I'm glad you asked. They were teaching what Jesus taught them. And we see this in John chapter 14, verse 26. It says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. And bring to your remembrance all things that I've said to you. And so, how do they know every single thing that Jesus taught them when they were with Jesus? And Jesus was, you know, he is gone now. How did they know everything? Because the Holy Spirit let them know of everything that Jesus ever taught them. I'm telling you, I can't remember a conversation I had five minutes ago. I, I can promise you, I've already forgotten. A lot of conversations I've had this morning. But how would you like to remember everything you were ever taught? Maybe everything that you were ever read in the, in the scripture. These disciples were reminded of everything that they ever were taught by Jesus. And so we get the New Testament writings. You know, how was it so accurate? How did they know all the details? Because the Holy Spirit let them know. And reminded them. And they were guided by the Holy Spirit. Jesus gave the great commission. Commanding that they go therefore. And make disciples of all the nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all things. That I have commanded you. Speaking of Jesus. And Jesus says. And lo I am with you always. Even to the end of the age. You know we can come here all we want to. We can come here on Sunday and Sunday night, Wednesday, anything else we might do. We can have all the programs, we can have all the functions, we can have all the events, we can have all the outreach, we can have the best staff in the world, but if we're not committed to the Word of God, then it's all in vain. Our commitment is to the Word of God. Not only in our individual lives, but our lives as a whole. Together, we are committed to the word of God here at Faith Baptist Church. And I'm thankful for a pastor who gets up here week after week and preaches the word of God. We see next that they were devoting themselves to fellowship. And I understand this is a Baptist church. I've been in the Missionary Baptist Church my whole life. And when I say fellowship, y'all are already thinking about lunch. You know, our our minds automatically turn to fried chicken, dumplings, mashed potatoes, sweet potatoes, banana pudding, and dare I mention bread pudding. See, y'all are already gone. That's usually what we think about when we think about fellowship, but fellowship is much more than that. And it was certainly for the early church. They were all they had. They didn't have somebody down the road they could go fellowship with. They were all they had. They were the church at this moment. And they had a sweet fellowship. They had a sweet communion. Church is not supposed to be a place where you come in and you can't wait to get out. But a place where you leave and you can't wait to come back. And not because of the building and because it's so nice, but because of the people. I need the church in my life. I need the church in my walk. I need the church when I'm struggling. I need God's people. And I hope that you can testify that too. Next, we see that they were committed to prayer. And this isn't speaking of their personal prayer life but about the corporate prayer of the church. Everything else thus far that we've looked at has been in relation to the church. And prayer uh, is not just to be exercised alone, but as we gather together. Let it be said about us that we are a people that not only gathers together, but we are a people that prays together. What would it look like just give you a little glimpse. What would it look like if you walked out of those doors after service is over with and you were, just found these people praying everywhere? You go into a Sunday school class and maybe you show up late and all of a sudden everybody's praying and you're like, what is going on? What if this was a, a place of prayer? And we were devoted to it like the early church was. The early church needed this communion with God. They needed this communion with each other. I worry that we pray too little. They were committed to prayer in their lives together. This is the reason for prayer requests. This is the reason for people making mention of the problems that are going on in their lives. We need each other. We need to lean on one another. The early church, they were all they had. What if we lived in that way? What if we leaned on one another, relying on God? So we saw the actions of the early church. Now we'll look at the movement of the church. And we see this in Acts chapter 2, verse 43. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. They were in awe is another word for fear of what was taking place before their very eyes. They were amazed. They were moved. The signs of the apostles were evident. People were being healed. And it was going on all around them. The apostles were doing these great works through God. And they were first-hand witnesses to what was taking place. They were in reverence to what God was doing amongst them. They were in in, in fear, and in fear in a good way. They were in awe of how good God was and what God was doing amongst these people. It was one of those, I can't believe that just happened type of moments, but it was in a good way. It was a good thing. They were seeing all these awesome things taking place, and they were in awe. I hope that we find ourselves in awe when we see what God is doing here at Faith Baptist Church amongst these people. I pray we feel a sense of awe when someone comes to know Christ as their Savior. Let's not just pass it by like it's something casual. But let's praise God because of it. I pray that we feel a sense of awe when a a little one or an older one comes to uh, know Christ and they're baptized. And they join together with this this church here. I pray we feel, feel a sense of awe when the prodigal son comes home. When someone's healed. When the cancer's no more. I pray we feel a sense of awe. I pray we feel a sense of awe when we come here to worship a God who loves us. And gave up his son for our redemption. I hope that this place will be a place that is touched by God's hand. And we don't take it lightly. But we're deeply moved by his presence among us. When we come together, we're in reverence of God. Because God is good and he loves us. It says, now all who believed were together and had all things in common. And sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. And so these people not only met together, but they were actually doing life together. There is a yearning in people today to do life together. To not just come in here and go out, but actually do life together. Actually be the church together. Live with one another in one accord is what we'll look at in just a moment. This was the last time that this would happen in the New Testament. As far as them dividing up their, their money and all that. So don't worry people. I'm not saying you have to give everything uh, to the church. Unless the Lord lays it on your heart. You got to add that in there. But this is the last time that this would happen in the New Testament. Because we read later on that the, about the poor saints in Jerusalem. But what a powerful example that these early believers set. To be willing to give it up all for the sake of Christ. To be willing to say, hey, my money is your money. My house is your house. My car is your car. My life is your life. What you need, I'm going to help you. What I need, I'm going to ask you for it. This was how they were living. They were living together in such a way that that everyone was one is what the scripture says. They had all things in common. There was no poor. There was no rich. They were all together together. The early church set this example. Now, don't think they lived in a commune because it says they went from house to house. And the commune life does sound kind of tempting in our world. But how are we going to reach the world if we just stay in here, if we just stay together? And so these believers here set this example, and they were bonded by the gospel. And I hope that we would take our relationship that is bonded by the gospel seriously. Because it is. Christ loved the church and gave himself up for the church. Paul gave us some attitudes that are to reflect how we deal with each other in Ephesians chapter 4. He says, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you to walk worthy If you are a child of God, then you've been called to walk worthy of that which you've been entrusted. We are to be lowly towards each other. Always placing others before ourselves. Not being harsh to one another. But being gentle, but being patient. Enduring with one another in love. For it is that Christ first loved us. And because he's loved us. We should love each other. Christ set the example. Let us be a people. Who love one another. Who don't aren't selfish. But place others needs first. Who aren't quick to speak. But are slow to listen. Who hear our cares. Our concerns. Our needs. People who are not having ulterior motives, but people who are sincere in heart. He then says, striving to keep the unity, we must put forth the effort to love one another in these ways. It will take effort. Because we're still in the flesh. And we still struggle with it. I can imagine the believers in the early church going around and searching for a way to show love to their fellow brothers and sisters. Because they were all they had. And so they were going around, I'd imagine searching, looking, how can I show brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so love today? We then see the outcome of faithfulness. In verse 46 says, so continuing daily with one accord in the temple. We see here the frequency of their time together in worship. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple. And so tomorrow we're going to meet here. And Tuesday we're going to meet here. And Wednesday we're going to meet here. And Thursday we're going to meet here. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Okay, y'all good with that? Ooh, not too many hands were raised. Not saying this is what we have to do. But this is what they were doing. They were meeting together daily. And they were of one accord. They were frequently coming together. And they were looking at the scriptures. They were studying the scriptures. And it says they were of one accord. Or one mind. Or they had one passion. They had one passion. And we should have that also. Striving together in one accord. Seeking to love God and seeking to love others. This is a result of their faithfulness. Having a desire to be with others who are of the same minds toward Christ. It was a desire. We should desire to be with other believers. We should want to. We should yearn to. The writer of Hebrews said, Let us consider one another in order to stir up love love. And good works. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some. But exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. Let us consider one another. In order to stir up love and good works. Let us consider each other. That we may love each other. Genuinely. Genuinely. That we may help our fellow brother and sister out. Out of a sincere heart. And he ends there. The writer of Hebrews. And so much more as you see the day approaching. We are only here for a moment. And we are only uh, with each other for a moment. On this side of eternity. And so we should consider one another. Even the more. Life is hard. When you don't have others around you. Life is hard when you don't have other believers around you. When your faith is wearing thin. Maybe when you get the the bad news. When tragedy strikes. I don't know what I would do if I didn't have God's people in my life. And it says, not only did they meet together in the temple daily. But they went to each other's homes and they shared meals with gladness in their hearts. They were simply glad to be together. And it made their hearts joyful. It says, And breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. They came together and they went from house to house. Let us be a people who are welcoming to each other in our own homes. Let us be a church that is willing to invite other people into our own homes and share a meal with them and share our lives with them. It says in verse 47, in praising God, their lives were given over to the gospel. And a life that is saturated by the gospel will want to give God the glory for what he has done and for what he is doing And for what he's going to do, they were praising God. I pray that we would be a people who come here and praise God as a collective. In our conversation, in the halls, in the foyer, that we would be giving God the praise. Giving God the glory. Because it's due to him. It says, in having favor with all the people. The Lord was adding to their number day by day. And when something like this happens, when a, a church does what this church did, people are going to notice. People are going to notice that this church were here, or people did notice that this people here were different. And I hope that people would notice that this place here, these people here are different. That we live lives differently than the outside world. That we don't look like the world, but we look and resemble Christ. People are going to notice that something's going on. They were shining a light in a dark place. They were being missionaries to their neighbors and friends. They were living out the gospel, and they were doing it to everyone around them. In our lives, we can do all of these things we can praise God, we can have favor with all the people our attitudes and how we treat others. They were living out the gospel truth. After Peter had preached on the day of Pentecost they asked Peter what they must do. And you may find yourself today with that same question. What must I do to be saved? What must I do to inherit eternal life? Romans 10 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness. And with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's a simple message. It's an ordinary message. It's back to the basics. We can come here. And we can put on a front, we can put on a a fake smile, or we can be genuine with each other. The early church leaned on one another. The early church depended on one another. The early church continued in the teaching of Jesus. The early church lived by the word, and they did it with each other. So, as Brother Bill comes, and we'll sing a hymn of invitation. If you are in this room today, and under the sound of my voice, or watching online, and you've never made a profession of faith, you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior, like those guys so long ago that said, What must we do? And Peter told them, Repent, turn towards God. Give yourselves over to God. If that's you, I pray that today will be the day I invite you to stand.